I like it. It was good. Go to your go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Can you believe that it is already the holiday season? I can't believe that we're already into the uh, time where we celebrate Thanksgiving, and then after Thanksgiving, we'll go into Christmas, New Year, and it's just that time of the year where things get really busy and. Uh, uh, we see family and we celebrate various holidays. This is my favorite time of the year, from about the middle of October until the uh, middle of January, I think is my favorite time of the year. You say, well, why, why is that? Well, number one, I think it's because the weather is perfect in Texas this time of year. You know, you come off of July and August, and it's kind of a whip. And uh, finally, the weather gets nice, and you're able to just enjoy being outside. I always love Thanksgiving time because it just smells good. You know, you get pumpkin pie going, turkey and dressing. Amen. A little bit of chestnuts roasting on an open fire. How do you like that there, Paul? Yeah. We're actually going to have chestnuts at Old Town Christmas this year, I do believe. So a new addition there. And it's also a centering time. During the holidays, a lot of times we get back to what's important and we are reminded of things like, what am I thankful for? We're reminded of what God has given us, and so it centers our soul. But one of the problems of this time of year is that for many people, the holidays just bring a lot more stuff. Stuff to buy, stuff to eat, stuff to deal with, stuff to go to, just lots of stuff. And so it's easy for us to have very full lives, but very empty souls. And so for the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be in this series called Turkey Legs, Getting Thanksgiving Back on Its Feet. Uh, Today, we're going to look at finding our source of gratitude. Next week, we're going to talk about getting out of the comparison game. Uh, The week after that, we're going to talk about the problem is you're exhausted. And then on the weekend before Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about recognizing the good stuff. Recognizing the good stuff. But here's a question for you. Where does gratitude come from? Where does gratitude come from in your life? Now, that's an important question. Because if the source of your gratitude is wrong, then the result will be wrong. If you're trying to find gratitude from the wrong reservoir, then it's going to pour out in your life in incorrect ways. For a lot of people, the source of their gratitude is people. Uh, We talk about Thanksgiving. We say, well, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my church. And I, I get that. I understand that. I'm thankful for family, friends, and I'm very, very thankful for you. But we have to be remember that if we think people are going to be the source of our gratitude, we're going to be often disappointed because people can be like a West Texas pond. They can be there and be gone in the flash, in a flash. People come and go in life. So sometimes we look to things to be the source of our gratitude. And so we say, well, I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful for my job. But again, the problem with that as our source is that all these things are temporary. They don't really last, and you can find yourself in the middle of suffering, and those things can be gone. So hear me well on this. True gratitude comes from God 
and is expressed to God. True gratitude comes from God and is expressed to God. Let's look at Romans 5 together today. This is one of those Mount Everest passages in Scripture. It is just so rich and full. We could probably spend weeks just dealing with this one passage, but I will not do that to you today. Uh, Beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, three things I want you to notice there. The first is this word, justified. It's a legal term. We have been pronounced not guilty. We have been justified. Whenever I was at Southwestern Seminary studying theology, I remember the theology professor said, you remember this word this way, guys. He said, it's just as if... I have never sinned. You have been justified, pronounced not guilty by God. Well, how have we been justified? Well, we have been justified through faith in Christ Jesus. Whenever you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us on the cross, the Heavenly Father pronounces us forgiven, not guilty. We live without the burden of sin on our shoulders because that burden has been placed on Christ's shoulders. And so Paul says we have peace with God through Christ Jesus. Peace with God. We're no longer at enmity with him we no longer stand before God under his wrath we no longer stand before God under law but we now stand with before God under grace we have peace with our maker peace with our heavenly father a lot of times people particularly even in even in the Christian world we we tend to think of peace as the absence of conflict biblically peace is never the absence of conflict but it's the presence of God even in the conflict God promises us His presence. God promises us His Spirit. God promises us that we belong to Him. And He relates to us through grace rather than through His wrath. Verse 2 says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So three more things here. Number one, We have access by faith into grace. We have access to God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can draw near to God. You have access to Him. There is a doctrine called the priesthood of the believer that says you do not need an intermediary to go before God. I know I look like a priest today with my outfit, but I am not your intermediary. As a believer, you have access to God. You stand before Him. You can talk to Him. You can know Him. You are His child. And notice the passage also says, we stand before Him in grace. Now that's huge. You stand before your Heavenly Father in His grace. And He relates to you with unmerited favor, with grace. 
that's something that is amazing. That our God says, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, my children. I, I give you access to me. Now notice also our resume is his glory. We don't stand before God and boast in our accomplishments. Lord, I've taught this life group. Lord, I've memorized this passage. Lord, I've led this mission work. No, we stand before him and our resume is his glory. God, look what you have done. My life has been lived to reflect you. And the source of our gratitude, the source of our boasting, the only thing we have to boast in, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Whenever I was dating, trying to find the right person to uh, fall in love with, I remember I was, I was kind of struggling through this. I, I just couldn't seem to find the right girl. I'd go out with this girl over here and land in a dead end and go out with this girl and kind of be a dead end. And so I was talking to my dad about it, and uh, he said, Well, son, all you need is one. All you need is one. And uh, I remember that July night, Glen Rose, Texas, looking out into the audience, I, I saw this girl. And uh, six months later, uh, we were dating, and two and a half years later, uh, we got married after much pleading and much begging. She said, I do. And uh, 16 years later, we were married and happily married. All I needed was one. I, I just needed to find the right one. Well, in, in life, there's one thing that you and I desperately need in order to be grateful people. We need Jesus Christ. We need His forgiveness. We need His grace. We need to know that we have peace with our Father. In Him, we have been justified. In Him, we have peace. In Him, we have access to God. In Him, we have grace. In Him, our life has meaning because I can live my life with that one thing to bring glory to Him. Through every relationship, through everything, through my job, through my life, my resume becomes, I desire to bring glory to my Father. Verse 3 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now, read that again. We also glory in our suffering. All right, give me more explanation, Paul. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, this sense of gratitude changes everything. Now we also are even able to glory in suffering through difficult times. You say, well, how can I glory through the difficult moments of life? Well, because you know that it's producing something. You know that God is at work even in the difficulties of life. The suffering is not empty suffering. The Scriptures say that it's producing perseverance. And it's producing character. And it's leading you to hope. The Scriptures also say you're not alone in the suffering. 
as lonely as you might feel sometimes, you're not alone because the Holy Spirit is walking with you in love. As a believer, you never walk alone. And we persevere and we keep going because we have hope. And even if we reach the end of this life, we have hope eternal in Jesus Christ. Uh, Every year, a a group of guys here likes to go hiking together. And so a few weeks ago, a small group this year, Randall Crenshaw and myself and Paul Packabush, we went went hiking in one of the national parks up at Mount Rainier. And uh, one day we decided to hike the Summerland Trail. It's about a nine-mile hike, four and a half miles in, four and a half miles back. And uh, the first four and a half miles has 2,100 feet of elevation. Now, for some flatlanders like us, that's a lot of elevation. Some of you guys may be able to run up a mountain like that, but for us, no, we, we, we couldn't do that. And I'll tell you, over that 2,100 feet of elevation, that four and a half miles, there was some suffering. There was some pain. There was some perseverance. I was reaching the top of this hill, and I was huffing and puffing, and this 83-year-old woman came walking past me. She, she looked like an older version of, of Beth Porter. I mean, Beth's only in her 60s, but this lady was a little older. And she came walking past me. And I was like, i got to persevere. I passed her because she got hot and had to take off her jacket. And then she passed me again. You know, there was some character building there. But we finally reached the top. And we climbed the hill because of the hope that was at the top. And whenever we got to the top, I got to see this. Let's see these pictures here. I got to see that picture. That was Mount Rainier as the clouds went off of it. There's another one there. Now, you can't hardly see it, but right in the middle of that picture, you may see a little black dot, and guess what that is? It's a bear. We saw a wild bear running through the, running through the valley down below. And there I am. Looking like a athlete or something like that, you know, but a, a wannabe. Anyhow, standing there and eating lunch and looking out over the scenery, all the suffering, all the perseverance, all the sweat that was put into the hike, it was all worth it because of the beautiful view that we saw there. You know, there are times when life is just an uphill climb, there's times when you go through difficulty. It's times when you suffer, times where you feel like quitting, but when your energy source is Christ, you keep going, you keep moving forward, you continue to have gratitude. Why? Because you know that your suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you can make it through this trial. You can make it through this difficulty because Christ is there with you. Verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. One of the great things about God is He has perfect timing. Now, I have noticed that God is rarely early. 
He rarely shows up early, but he never shows up late. He's always right on time. And sometimes the intervention doesn't come until our power is gone. When I was pastoring my first church down in Austin, one of the things I discovered as a pastor is that a church costs a lot of money. I mean, the, 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 the money doesn't just fall like manna from heaven. God's people have to give. And so uh, we, we didn't have much margin in that church. And there were times where I was stressed out, and we learned that there were times where you had to get on your knees and pray and ask God to provide. There were times where you just had to believe that God was going to take care of his church. And as a young pastor, I began to learn time after time that at just the right moment, God provides. God takes care of you. He takes care of his children. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. And there may be a situation in your life today where you feel powerless. And I want to remind you today that God's timing is perfect. You say, but Lash, why am I going through this suffering? I, I feel like quitting. I feel like turning my life inward and quit engaging with my community, quit engaging with others, just focusing on me. Why am I going through this suffering? I don't know why. I'm not one of those guys that tries to tell you, this is why this is happening in your life. I don't know why, but I do know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because our hope is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has verified himself once and for all when he died for my sins and he rose again. Hey, any guy that can rise again... He's worthy of your faith. And putting hope in Christ is not going to put you to shame. It'll be verified over and over and over again. Verse 7 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. (laughs) I love Paul's parenthetical thoughts. But, oh wow. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of the great horrors of my life. This is one of these things that keeps me up at night concerned about it. That you will live your Christian life thinking that God's love for you is based upon your loveliness. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Probably at least half the Christians that I know are caught in this trap where they believe that God only loves me 
when I'm lovely. That God will love me and bless me once I clean up my act. That God will forgive me only if I clean up my act. And stick with me on this, those of you that are like, but, 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 but lash, obedience, I'll get back to that, okay? But what happens a lot of times is we go to church, we read the Bible, we try to cut things out of our life, add things to our life, act like Christian people, drink lots of coffee, buy a Martin guitar. If you're old school, wear ties and pantyhose, ladies and men, okay? If you're new school, wear flip-flops and shave your head. And we do all these Christian things. All those are fine. But listen, none of that makes God love you anymore. None of that makes God say, oh, now, now I love Mark more because he sang in the choir today. Now I love Lash more because he preached a message today. None of that makes God love me more. Question, how could a person love you more than to give his own son to die a hideous death on your behalf? God can't love you any more than the cross. And the scriptures say, God demonstrated, he showed it to all, his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't love you once you clean up your mess. God loved you through the mess. And he sent his son so that you might receive forgiveness. And he calls you to him in faith to drink from the love of the cross. And to realize when we drink from the cross, we have forgiveness We have grace. We have peace between us and God. He's our Father. And we're His children. And you found the source of gratitude. True gratitude changes everything. And this is where we get back to obedience. Because as a believer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to you, and with a heart full of gratitude, we have motivation to obey. We have power to obey. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we go to life group. That's why we give generously. That's why we sing praises to God. That's why we're grateful people, because we have drank from the cross. And once you drink from the cross, everything changes. All of life is seen differently. My sister Debbie, I've talked to you guys a little bit about this. Uh, Oh, I guess it's been about three, four months. Really, for about nine months, she lived with an undiagnosed pneumonia. It's a very, very rare form of pneumonia. It's kind of one of these super bugs that you hear about. Uh, It it, uh, doesn't raise the white blood cell count, so it's very, very difficult to find and bacteria basically starts living in your cells in a like a parasite. And a lot of times people just die one day from it. And so she was struggling with this and, and trying to find some answers and was really 
I'm trying to figure out how much detail I need to go into, but you guys are the 8.30 crowd, so I'm going to go into more detail, okay? <laughs> uh, she, was, she was just a few days from death. And so they finally found the, the problem here, and they uh, torched the, the bacteria with high-powered antibiotics, which nearly killed her as well. We almost lost her about uh, six weeks ago now. Uh, but she lived through it. And so we've been going on this day-by-day process of, is she, going to, is she going to make it? And she's not a very old, old person. Uh, is she going to make it? Will, will we have her at Christmas? Last week, the doctor told her, he said, I think you're going to live. I think you're going to live. Praise the Lord. He also told her, I didn't really think you were going to live. I've never seen anybody with your bacteria levels live through that. And so I've been talking to my sister. This is my sister. And to be honest, it's been pretty heavy on me. I, I, I haven't been completely myself the last few months going through, through this with her. But I was talking to my, to my sister on this, and she has such a beautiful spirit on this because she says, I, I'm at peace. I'm at peace whether I live or whether I die. She says, I've really reached a point where I'm just grateful for each day. And I'm grateful for my salvation. Because I know if I don't make it through this here, that I'm going to be with Christ for all eternity. And I'm, I'm seeing how her whole perspective on life is changing because of this, this suffering. The suffering is changing how she sees life and how she sees death and how she sees people and how she relates to people. And I'm mindful that as we look at this passage, that that's what Christ's death should do for us. It should bring perspective. It should bring a sense of gracefulness. It should bring a peace into our lives and a sense of gratitude. That changes everything. When you drink from the cross, everything changes. Let's stand before, let's stand together with our heads bowed before our Heavenly Father. During the time of commitment today, I do invite you, do invite you to come and take one of these rocks and lay it at the cross. It may be symbolic of your gratitude. It may be symbolic of some suffering that you're going through in life where you're trusting God and you're placing your hope in Him. We're going to sing a praise song of worship to God. We're going to pray. This is a time where we can respond back to God. I'll be here at the front if there's anything that I can pray with you about. If today needs to be your day of salvation, I would love to talk to you about what it means to be saved. Church, let's pray together and let's worship our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that while we were yet sinners, you demonstrated your love for us and that Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord that as believers in Christ, you relate to us through grace. 
We have access before you. We have peace with you. We have been justified even though we have done wrong. Thank you, Father, for reaching through my junk. All my rebellion, all my sin, reaching through all of that. So that I might be redeemed. Lord, I pray for forgiveness. For all those times in life where I'm ungrateful. Where I fail to realize the source of gratitude. And I pray, Lord, that we might be a grateful people. Help us, Lord, to see things as you see them. And to boast not in ourselves, but to boast in you. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of this day. And I thank you, Father, for the hope of eternity. And it's in that we praise you. We worship you. Amen.